What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Outside Perspective. I am your host, Adam Meredith. Uh, we have an amazing guest for you today. Uh, before I get to the guest, I have to send a big thank you out to Jumbo CBD. Go check them out. They have a full line of cannabidiol products. CBD has been helping a lot of people, including myself. It can help with gut health and brain health and inflammation control. Um, just a ton, a ton of benefits uh, associated with this one cannabinoid. And uh, you guys can save 20% when you use the code OUTSIDE at checkout on Jumbo CBD. And, uh, and they are also typically doing buy two, get one free. So you can get a fucking amazing deal. And they're doing that just for our listeners. Um, again, I love their muscle bomb, but they have an amazing lip balm. They have, uh, their drops are phenomenal. They have a ghee, they have an olive oil, tons and tons of products. It's all high quality ingredients. None of the junk, none of the fillers, none of the bullshit. And you'll save 20% off of your entire order when you use the code outside. So go over to jombocbd.com today and check them out, motherfucker. All right, let's get to my guest. I have Bill Mitchell today. Um, Bill is the president and CEO of ScholarPath. ScholarPath is a... um, it is a resource. It's a, it's a technology resource for schools to help place students um, on the right path as they uh, as they grow and enter into the world. So, if you've listened to any of my previous conversations or you're familiar with my stance, I think. This whole idea of you go to college and you get your degree and you get this fucking nine to five, I think that's bullshit. And it's not the path for everybody. And what Bill is doing is he is helping identify interests and and likely outcomes for students at at an earlier age so we can help prepare them for what is going to be best for them. So maybe that's the military. Maybe that's the workforce. Maybe that is a trade career. Uh, maybe that's a four-year university. It just depends. And he's really helped targeting what the fuck you really need and how we can actually get you there to be a successful contributing member of society. So I think this is a very important conversation. And um, I really enjoyed sitting down with Bill. So without any further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Bill Mitchell. Let's gain some perspective. Uh, in the construction world too it's uh it's about the tools yeah you gotta have the right tools right you really do it's all about the tools um i made my son read a book by uh is this is this in your way is it no. your feet? okay no. cool. um, i kind of like it yeah it works out <laughs> just, just chill out man yeah. prop your feet up um it's kind of the end of a, of a long work day for you are you still working after this does the work uh, ever oh, stop? My, I have a board meeting at six. Yeah, the work never stops, no, no, does no. it? Not in the startup world. Yeah, when you when you enter the the startup world, and it's like you're you're trying to build your own like your own thing, like whatever that creation is. I feel like people have the wrong idea of what work is because when you're when you're doing something for yourself, you're working 
all the time, but it's never in the context of what people think of as work. I think a lot of people think like work is this place that you have to like it's this place you have to go, but it's really like this thing that you get to do in your life. You know what I mean? So it's like when you're building something, you're working all the time. You're thinking about it all the time. You know, calls, emails, strategy, just it never stops, does it? Yeah, no, I, um, you know, just for the listeners or the viewers, um, you know, I'm an educator by trade. So yeah. it's been an interesting learning curve. Yeah. You know, we, as a coach or a school administrator or a teacher, you work excessive. Yeah. But you, uh, you don't own it. Yeah. Right? You own the emotion. It's different. You own the impact but you don't own the technology, the business, the revenue, yeah. the wins, the losses, Yeah. you know, and, and I feel like, uh, unfortunately for education, it's like playing a team sport. Yeah. Right. You can blame it on other people. Right. Team sports. Um, I've done team and individual yeah. and it can be pretty frustrating when somebody's not pulling their weight oh, yeah. or, you know, people start pointing the finger and like just people aren't being good team players. It's like one of the most frustrating things. Yeah. No, I, um, in, in the, in the education space versus the, the, the corporate space, you know, as a, as a competitor in wrestling or in martial arts of any sort, yeah. um, you know, you, you live and die by what your, what your work ethic is. Oh, yeah. In the startup world, it's, a lot, it's very the same. It's right. the same exact experience. Right. You know, but in the education space, you don't have that flexibility. You go in and do your job, and you, you make an impact the way you think you make an impact. Yeah. That the kids don't always think, see it the same way the teachers see it. So... In this world, uh, although I'm in an educational technology, I still get to make the impact the way I think yeah. I'm making an impact. Yeah. But more importantly, the market dictates if I'm really making an impact. Right? Yeah. So I think that's, uh, that's been kind of the new learning experience for me from a, just kind of a life perspective, not just um, not a coaching. You know, I'm a coach. I'm a teacher. I'm an educator. I'm a businessman. Um, you know, I think it's, it's interesting how that – I guess it's interesting how you see the world. It's in, in, a, in a different light. Yeah, know? yeah. Hey, would you do me a favor and just adjust your mic just up a little bit? Yeah, that way, yeah, yeah it'll catch you a little bit better. Can you yeah. hear, you hear yep. yourself better now? Yep. Right on. Yeah, dude. Um, that's it's 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 definitely it's it's got to be interesting, right? Like knowing that you're making an impact like in people's lives. Like I've been teaching jujitsu like with Tracy Taylor for yeah, the past yeah. few years, man, and like Amazing. Work, working with kids and. It's it's never really a place I thought I'd be in life where like I'm I'm teaching kids, and then like on the surface I was like all right man like I'm doing this you know my kids are in class of course I want to help out and like be a good coach and dad and all that good stuff but then you start like realizing like the real fucking impact that you can have on people's lives you know what I oh, mean oh, powerful dude it's 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 like the most it's like super rewarding and it's it's a, actually a very heavy responsibility when you really think about like you know what you can do cuz some dude there there are some teachers out there who will maybe they're having a bad day or you know they just never realize their dreams in life or whatever the case may be and they can just like completely like put a like a stain you know like on on, on, somebody, your life. on somebody's perspective your on whole life yeah yeah dude yeah no i think um you know, I've had a number of, I've taken in a number of athletes to yeah. live with me, you know. Yeah. Uh, so it's been, it's interesting to see how, you know, and as an administrator, my past stint was that as an administrator, you know, I, I feel like you, you want to make an impact. And these teachers sometimes don't truly, they think it impacts one thing, but the students think it's something else. Yeah. What do you think an impact is? I think an impact is when you actually have a student or an athlete uh, see life differently. 
yeah. experience it. Ex- uh, want to come to work. Yeah. Want to go to school. Yeah. Want to come to practice, even though you know it's going to be the hardest fight. You go to Rogers or Tracy's practice, oh, you're like, dude. man, I for sure don't want to go to practice. Oh, yeah. And then you go to practice, and then all of a sudden you're like, afterwards you're like, boy, I'm glad I went to practice. That's such a good like skill just to have in life if you want to be successful. I can't tell how, like, how many times in high school or even middle school where you get done with school, that bell rings, and you're like, oh, man, like, I got to go to practice right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, especially in, in, in the jiu-jitsu or fight world, you know, in the wrestling world. It's, oh, yeah. it's not easy. Yeah. It's not I can go to the soccer field or the football field and hide behind John. Or, you know, I can hide behind somebody, and if we didn't win, it wasn't really my fault. Yeah. In the, in the individual sport world. And I think that's what makes, um, I think, business entrepreneurs that come from that industry, those individual sports industry, I think, are in my world now, because I get to see it a lot. I see people every day, you know, as a CEO of a company, I, I run with other CEOs. Yeah. You know, and those individuals that are highly successful are normally individuals that have been through some type of, I'd say, war or fight yeah and, and that war or fight could be uh, a living uh, cultural yeah uh, uh diversity minority uh those individuals that have actually experienced something that you know they didn't see that other people don't see right you know i didn't grow up in a affluent community i didn't get a brand new car i didn't get my college paid for uh so i think that 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 kind of changes the way you see the world as well yeah yeah the, the entrepreneurial path is actually a very lonely road like even if you have a team dude there's so many days you're just like alone just like thinking about things or yeah no i mean <laughs> that, that's a funny thing you say I, I think two things i think the best coaches and coaches mean ceo or coach of a team you know i've been pretty lucky i've been yeah. fortunate and lucky but i think hard work i think luck follows hard work right yeah but uh you know you you live a you know, you, you, the highly successful ones have been divorced a couple times or they haven't been married or yeah. they, you know, they go home with the same problems every night, you yeah. know? And so it is a lonely, lonely world. And people from the outside who may or may not be your friends are seeing you and what they, how their vision of the world is. Right. Um, but they don't have to make the hard decisions. Yeah. You know, there's hard decisions every day we come to work. It doesn't matter if you're a coach, yeah. a teacher, a business entrepreneur, you're every day your feet hit the ground at five or 6 a.m. Yeah. You're making decisions to your heads down on the bed, right? You know, on the pillow in, the, uh, in your bed, and so I think that, that that does make an impact on how you how your life has formed who you are as an individual. Yeah, one hundred percent, dude. Um, I think that's where you know talking about those decisions. I think that's where like discipline comes into play, right? Because I mean, you're you're making decisions whether they're conscious or unconscious, right? So as many of those decisions as you can like automate to be good, like if you just have the discipline, because like you said, there's so many times you don't want to do something, but you, you just you just got you just got to get it done, dude. Like no right. one else is gonna do it. Well, nobody fucking cares, right? Nobody cares. Yeah, quit your bitching. Uh, you know, I find myself a lot of times uh, repeating things, and I when I leave the meeting, I'm like. They really didn't fucking care. So I don't know why I just spent – I only had 30 minutes to talk, and I spent 10 minutes complaining about something that's in my world. It yeah. really doesn't impact them. And so they're like, what the fuck? Yeah. So I think that does make an impact on me as a leader uh, in, in the roles that I'm in now, You know, depending on if it's in the political realm and I'm up in Jeff City or if it's in the, in the educational realm or if it's in the corporate world. Right? Yeah. Um, you know, if, if uh, the CFO of Boeing wants to pull me in for a discussion and we're sitting there talking about maybe one of my problems in the world doesn't mean shit to them. Right. You know, so it's – but I think everybody – the human nature is make it personal. Yeah. Right? Make it about you. Yeah. And right? I think just in general that is. And I think the most successful 
mean, I, I wasn't a highly successful competitor, but I have coached Olympians, right? I've coached highly successful people. Right. And, uh, you know, they're highly successful because they make it about them. They make it about the challenge. And so, I, I mean, those are the things that kind of weigh in when you're carrying on discussions in the real world. It's like, how do you, how do you clarify who you are as a leader, you know? And I think yeah. those are the things, those are the things I fight every day. I, when, when I get to the office, it's how do I, how do I, how do I shield the noise? And then I got to shield that noise and I have to act on things. Yeah. And that, every time you act, there's a reaction, action, yeah. reaction. Right. So how you handle those, I think the, the training, the, the life skills also uh, kind of bring, bring the leadership full circle from that magnitude. Right. And there's no, like, there's no blueprint for this. No. <laughs> you just kind of learn no. by, by doing. No, I, I will say, though, you know, I, uh, I took about 10 years off of that. I didn't really read a lot. Yeah. Right? So I, uh, as an educator, you know, I, you know, I finished with uh, three bachelors and a master's by the time I was, I don't know, 28 or 29 years old. There's a whole lot of reading. And then I went back to my doctoral. So I took this time off and then I started the, the doctoral classes in like 08 or 09, 08. Yeah. And uh, so I was so busy in the, in the textbook world, you know, the only things I read was I was required to read. Right. right. And so when I, when I got out of that in 2012, it really, uh, I didn't really have, it didn't, you know, I, I feel like I lost some time. So when I started this new uh, chapter in my life, I thought, you know, I got to start reading. Yeah. I got to try and read more. Um, getting a crash course of a, ma- I mean, I'm really getting a master's degree or an MBA yeah. in real life, 100%. right, in business. And so, you know, you're meeting with new lawyers and new, uh, new account CPAs and you're dealing with merger acquisition, your round A funding and oh, yeah. all of that stuff. You no know, class so is going to teach you that. None. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, doesn't exist. You know, as a teacher, you know, a lot, a lot of educators probably didn't uh, agree with the way maybe I taught or my principles. Uh, you know, I taught business management, marketing, and uh, I managed the internship program at the school districts and universities I worked at. And so I was always about, you know, college really isn't for everybody. It's not at all. I mean, I got an identical twin that's great in construction, right? He does these huge elaborate homes and he, he does well for himself, but school just wasn't his thing yeah right so i got to see it real time from a you know well, i'm an identical as you know so we, we our lifestyles are very similar yeah <laughs> uh you know uh, so you know i i think that 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 plays a big role as well you know it's like yeah what, what you're not gonna be taught this you're not you know i don't know i could rant i could rant on the problems with education today oh yeah but i uh i feel like um picking up a book and doing a lot more reading i'm doing more reading to try and stay focused Kind of clear the clear the mind. Yeah, I guess you could say. Dude, self education is so important. You know, especially if you're if you're if you're relying on like the formal education system. Like you do have to understand that there are like there are regulations in place, and they have um, standard like they have these standards that they have to meet, and people are getting accreditation, and it can take. Man, new information can take decades to filter into academia. <laughs> like, people don't understand uh, that. You know, I could. Uh, I could speak for for uh, days on that. That's a whole pod. That's its own series, dude. It, ex- uh, <laughs> especially in the, I have a beef with like the health field. Oh yeah, because of that very reason. Yeah, in, in uh, you know, I always tell you know, I did a presentation down at WorkShoe about the workforce, uh, workforce of 2019, and you know, a big piece of it is we're we're teaching like we're in the 1950s. Yeah, it's about memorization. It's keeping keeping the, the those in the educational system more of the manufacturing. Yeah, nice little factory workers. Doing what you're told. Right. Do, do what you're told. Uh, read the Show paper. Up. We got whistle for, for break, whistle for lunch, whistle for another. Uh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. 100%. And so I, I think like 
uh, as we transition. You know, I, I really do believe public education is doing it right. I don't know that charter school education is in private school because private school just says everyone's going to college. It really does. It's trying to emulate that college model. It is. And, and at what you're seeing a lot more now, and especially in St. Louis with the St. Louis viewers, and I could speak on a number of cities across America, but, you know, Jennings High School with Art McCoy, very active. You see him a lot, um, transformative. But a lot of the public education, the educational systems already have industry certifications. Yeah. Kids can leave high school with a Cisco certification. You know, we have an excellent public school system. Like, there, I mean, there are several really good districts in the St. Louis area and in Kansas City. National, I mean, yeah. I mean, national just, ranks, yeah, yeah, ring national every year. Yep. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, and I think that's uh, – I think that's, uh, well, two things. Uh, the city of St. Louis is an actually a really good city. Yeah. You know, when I moved to uh, uh, California in the Bay Area right after Michael Brown, and uh, they're always asking where you're from, like St. Louis. Oh, I was Ferguson? I'm like, Super well, my dad. dad grew up in Ferguson. They're like, your dad grew up in Ferguson? They have a great brewery up there, bro. <laughs> they do. <laughs> yeah, Joe Lanero just sold it. But, uh, yeah, no, so, um, yeah, so, I, you know, people think St. Louis is a bad city, but it really cult- – I mean – Culturally, it's diverse. Yeah. Um, I do believe, you know, I'm going to, I shouldn't probably say this over the air, but I think there is some racism still, a pretty deep. Uh, There's some things lingering here. For lingering sure. here still, for sure. Yeah. Um, and I didn't see it. Uh, you know, obviously, Terrell Wilburn moved in with me um, years ago. You know, I didn't really see it till he moved in with me. Yeah. You know, the people looking at you because you're the white guy, you know. Yeah. But well, I also. Del- the, Del- the Del- Sorry to cut you yeah. off. That Delmar divide is like, you ever notice? Crazy. Like how, like. It's it, you can see it. It's mm-hmm. very visible, like how yeah, well, the, the real estate's different. It's crazy, just like one road. Yeah, one. I mean, that's one of our school districts, University City, right? I mean, yeah. uh, you know, I, 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 the Wellston project. You know, Homegrown's doing study on the sixty thousand African American students. Uh, Dr. Sean Joe at Warshu. Uh, we're we're working with them guys as well. Are talking with them guys. You know that Delmar Divide actually has. You know, there's a good group of Audubon Associates in town that are dumping resources and money and bringing people together to refund that Wellston, yeah. Delmar uh, community in a sense. Yeah. Um, but it is, it's extreme. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is. It's, it's, it's one just of the so other. weird how that happened. And it just, yeah. it's, but you know, here's the thing, like, we're just like, as advanced as we like to think we are as people, I mean, we're all so tribal. So, Dude, like people like to be around things that look like them and that are as familiar. I can remember, and uh, whenever I was in high school, and this is back in 2005, 2006, um, somebody took a picture of our cafeteria, and you could, like, see, see the fucking line, dude. Oh, yeah. And it's just, like, people just have this natural tendency to group themselves. That, that is true. You know, I didn't, you know, the best thing I ever did, and I tell graduate, high school graduates and college graduates this all the time, best thing I did in my career was actually go to California. Yeah. Right? I mean, I don't know if it was about California. But it was about seeing a different culture, a different group of people. 100%. Uh, and see how they responded and interacted and communicated um, to know that you can run a practice room with this great group of uh, yeah. synergistic people yeah. that were of different race and color and gender. And, and everybody was allowed. We had women wrestlers yeah. that was here. They would have been there. No way. No, the high school coaches here that love women wrestling would talk trash on me because I was coaching girls, right? Yeah. So, you know, you had girls wrestling, you have uh, the LGBT community and the wrestling community. And, you know, that's kind of all, that stuff's all sensitive, I guess you could say. Yeah. But when I left the city of St. Louis, you know, I didn't see those things. So that, that really made a, that, that made, that, that played a big impact on who I was as a coach. And mo- I will say most of my, uh, the, the honors that I won was after I left St. Louis. And yeah. I think a lot of it had to do with a different outlook on life. Right. Just a whole different perspective game. Different. Yeah. So what made you want to uh, to kind of go down that path of being an educator, being a coach? Like You grew up an athlete? 
I grew up an athlete. Um, my twin, and I, my twin and I both played soccer and wrestling. Um, you know, I, I think it's uh, from a psychological perspective. I think it's what I lost, which kept me coaching. Yeah. But um, you know, I <clears throat> most people kind of give you a little rundown of my story. So my mom was uh, addicted to drugs. A lot of people in high school didn't know that. Um, but by our end of our junior year, we were homeless. <clears throat> so we lived with our friends uh, on and off. Joe Lukey, Mike Serino, T.J. Heffley. You know, we so we we lived with our friends, lived in our car, did whatever it really kind of took. The Rollo family was amazing to us. Yeah, uh, they were kind of their family. But all of, while all of that was going on, you know, uh, I quit wrestling my senior year. I was working. Doug and I worked at Yellow Freight from six in the morning, six at night to four in the morning, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Oh wow! So during soccer season. Doug quit soccer, and I, and I played soccer. And during wrestling season, I didn't wrestle. And so we just swapped our work effort, uh, effort so we had money. I got it. Um, and then when I, we graduated, I worked for the city of St. Charles in the aquatics division. And, uh, you know, I got mentored by Vince Milan, who was a, uh, really unbelievable in the, in the pool space. And I actually got a job working for the city of Baldwin. So I was their aquatic supervisor out of high school. Oh, wow. For the city of Baldwin. So they have the, the Point Indoor Complex in uh, Baldwin. If you've ever been there, it's, it's kind of like a miniature Rexplex. Okay, I've never been there. Pretty cool place. And uh, about eight months into that, Dr. Dennis Spellman, his daughter, who was just here, one of my business partners. Okay. Dennis was the president, or Doc Spellman was the president of Lindawood University. Yeah, I went to Lindawood. Okay. Um, So, so, yeah, like, I got there in 2006, and it's like, I think it was his last year. He passed away. Yeah, he was, yeah, did he die that year? He passed away. Okay. I know he was super sick. I didn't know if he, like, stepped down and then passed away the next year, or? On his deathbed. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, his, uh, his, actually, his daughter... And Carl Hutter recruited me to Lindenwood University, and I, uh, I'll tell a story real quick because it's pretty powerful okay. to tell the story of Dennis Bellman. Uh, so I signed a scholarship um, to uh, play soccer and wrestling. At Lindenwood? At Lindenwood. And then— That's when they're NIA. Yeah. NIA. Yeah. Uh, 1995 and 90, uh, 96. 95, 96, that January year. And um, uh, I, so I signed it. I get to the end of the semester, and I'm like, well, I don't know how I'm going to pay this because there was a remaining balance. Mm. And so, uh, Doctor, or Car- Uncle, I call him Uncle Carl, but Carl Hutter is now the assistant AD there. Said, "Well, go see Doctor Williams." And Doctor Williams was uh, kind of Doctor Spellman's right hand man in finance. So I walk into his office in the basement of uh, uh, where his office was housed, and uh, I just this guy. I was looking at the back. I just not. I went to the business office. The business office said, "Pack your shit up and get out." <laughs> yeah. So uh, I was like, "Oh cut, man, I don't want to go." So that's why they sent me to William's office, and I don't know who's in this office. And uh, some guys hustling through some papers on a desk, and I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Like, hey, sir, can I speak to you? Yeah. And, and uh, he's talking to me and kind of grumbly, not really excited. And I think this is Dr. Williams, right? And so I'm talking to this guy, and I, he asked me a story. I said, well, they said, they said pack your shit up and get off campus, blah, blah, blah. That's what they said. That's what they said. Yeah. So, uh, ironically, uh, the gentleman called somebody down from the business office. This guy then says, the, and the guy from the business the guy from the business office uh, was uh, like he, he knew something was up. And yeah. I don't know who this guy is I'm talking to. I just think it's Dr. Williams. Okay. And I don't know who Dr. Williams is. And uh, Dr. Uh, this ends up being Dr. Spellman. And Dr. Spellman. That's Dr. Spellman you're talking to? Uh, I'm talking to the president of the institution. <laughs> and uh, so uh, he's like, you can, you're going to go find this kid some money, and he's not going anywhere. Or you can pack your shit up. Oh, wow. And uh, I was like, hey, I'm not trying to get anybody fired. I'm from the streets. I'm sitting there thinking, oh, man, I just ruined my this – is, this is a buzzkill. I'm, I'm in trouble now. Yeah. And um, he says, oh, Spellman says, oh, 
sir, what's your name again? I said, oh, I'm Billy Mitchell. And he says, okay, well, you have a seat. I said, oh, okay. He just tells me. <laughs> okay. You, he tells this other guy, go, go figure, go find some money. And uh, in that discussion, we sat down and literally had about a two-hour discussion because um, he was all about helping kids. Yeah. And, he's, and uh, ironically, he was trying to get the pool fixed at Lindenwood, which is the oldest pool west of the Mississippi. Yeah, super old pool. Which, it, which building is it's that? In it? Butler. Butler it's, Hall. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, we're sitting there talking, and he was talking to Jim Bashing, who built, built the, the point, the Baldwin Complex, okay. to redo this pool. And uh, the, the owner of the pool company said, well, there's this Billy Mitchell here. He, you could probably work him. He could probably fix the pool. Because it was the bathing pool was the size of this office. Yeah. Right? It, was, it was built in the 1800s. Yeah. And it was a boiler system. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, he goes, well, your name's not – you're Billy Mitchell? Do you, do you know – are you in pools? And I said, yeah. He goes, I got a deal for you. And I said, well, what's that? He goes, you'll go to school for free. We're going to pay for your bachelor's degree. Oh, nice. And that was kind of the, the, kind of the, th- the thing. And then I, they end up stacking my work study. Yeah. My next thing, the next pit was, well, well, I'll give you work study if you coach at your alumni, which was St. Charles West. We were state champs. Nice. You go coach there. Yeah. So that was additional work study. Plus, so he, we just negotiated. So I negotiated my bachelor's degree. Oh, nice. And uh, it was, uh, yeah, it was very unique that Dennis had this ability to uh, really negotiate for anything. Yeah. That's how I got my bachelor's degree. Oh, nice. That work-study program is a really big program at Lindawood. Or at least it was whenever I was there. Well, not so much anymore. They've changed the financial model, but back then, everybody did work-study. Yeah, everybody. saved on payroll. Dude, they – so, man, like – you could almost do a case study on that university for business. They've done. I'm sure they've done. Case I'm sure studies. they have, right? Because yeah. that thing was what they buy it for like a dollar. It was already, yep. and then they turned it into like this extremely. Pro- it's not even. They have zero debt, right? Well, I mean, they, yeah, their endowment's about dwindling though. The last couple of presidents have. Spent, oh, really? Spent most of the money uh, yeah. in general. I, I, I work off a lot of old information. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I'll, I'll kind of give you a rundown because it's all yeah. the last couple of years. Yeah. Uh, Lindywood was uh, 100% debt free. They had an amazing uh, admissions. Dr. Joe Parisi was the wrestling coach. Yep. Who you've probably met. Yeah, I know Parisi. Uh, Joe was uh, the admissions guy. Yeah, he was really the head coach whenever I was there. So. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we were powerhouse when you were there. So I won a bunch of national titles. Yeah, yeah everybody was just so fucking good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, dude, those NAI days, th- this is why they were so smart with their business model before they, they switched to the clearinghouse, like the NCAA, right? Because like, they were NAIA, and they are giving out scholarships, but really they are grants. Yes. They are grants, right? So even if you didn't continue with your sport, you, 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 you still got to do it. So for them, dude, they're bringing in everybody, dude. Yeah. They're giving scholarships for everything. Well, it, was, it was like pulling the fish out of a fishbowl, right? Yeah. We got 90 wrestlers in here. Oh, and dude. then you got the you got South Dade, Miami sending kids. You got Wabonzi. You got Neosha Community. Yeah, well, Parisi had this. Well, Joe's just a great recruiter uh, on top of good coach, great yeah. coach. But he had this unique ability to bring in all these studs. Yeah. So it was the cream of the crop, right? Yeah, I always kind of called it, and maybe this is just crude term. I was like, this is just the D one reject breeding ground. Like, no offense to the people who like, it's because they were all so good. Like, it's like you have people who can go D one, but for whatever reason, whether it was like grades or you know just just uh behavior whatever the case may be like they just couldn't make it at the d1 well, you level. know and it uh you know i worked at another nai school menlo college and keith spataro is their ad and i he founded their wrestling programs and they were a powerhouse when he was there but most people think uh we were just giving away money to go get we got these derelicts and we brought them in but at the end of the day spellman was a lot like he did with me so he would give the admissions office the freedom to go out and really pay it forward. Yeah. Give that second chance. Give that kid a second opportunity. Yeah. Uh, bring them in, you know. Uh, but Spelman was also the first guy to throw you off. I mean, Bobby Lashley's a prime example. 
Oh, and Bobby was there for a semester, right? And he had wine in his house, I believe, is what, what uh, it was. And it's a dry campus. Dry campus. So they, they threw him out. And, right. Uh, you know. Yeah, they didn't take shit. No, not they at all. But, like, they would give you an opportunity to come in, like. When Bobby wasn't, had no, he was there as a coach. You oh, know, he got recruited to be our coach. Yeah. <laughs> he was going to be the coach, and he was a beast, right? So, but to see Spellman hold that same accountability to his coaches. Yeah. Right? He was a GA, so, yeah. you know, I, you know, so I, he, Spellman was hard. He was a hard man to read. Yeah. Um, his daughter is obviously my business partner and uh you know I, i've been around the family my well since i was 18 years old yeah and he was hard he was hard on everybody yeah so you know after after uh you know, god god rest his soul after he he had left it was it was a definitely a transformation that people were like oh, yeah we can do whatever we want now we got money because most people there at linda don't realize i mean i got a person that i won't say the name but she works at Lindawood. she works in my lives in my apartment complex mm. she lives in florida below me and we we talk all the time she's worried about budgets are they going on a Blah blah blah, because there's a lot of talk Dude, about they, that. They've built a lot of you know a lot of buildings. I yeah. feel like they've bought up most of Old St. Charles, yeah. you know, as much as they can. Yep. It's like, man, they've done a lot of expanding. Yeah. No, so yeah, that it costs does, money. It does cost money. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I think Spellman had a ten-year plan. He died in two thousand and six. His, uh, I got to give it to Evans. They followed his plan. Preece and the missions followed the plan. They built that school till about 2016. Preece left a couple of years ago. Okay. And, you know, they got two or three empty dorms now. Oh, really? Who'd have thought that, right? Who'd have thought? You know, education is changing across the board. All the way. Especially with everything going on now, I think people are realizing, like, hey, man, we might kind of be coming to this new wave of doing things, like this whole new revolution yeah. of how we operate within society well, as a whole. I, you know, that's no, that's kind of my bread and butter, right? Right. So, like you know, my technology, that's, yeah. that's, uh, the, that's the formation and foundation of what we do. You know, we're a talent acquisition platform. So yeah. we're we're a student engagement talent acquisition platform. So we're kind of a LinkedIn and Facebook combined. Yeah. But more importantly, we take school district curriculum and we align courses. So in eighth grade, you tell your four year plan, you say what you want to do. Our machine tells you what classes to take. Yeah. So walk me through this whole process, right? So just for the listeners, just so they know what we're talking about, we're referencing. Yeah. This is your company's called Scholar Path. Scholar Path. Right. And yep. this is um, a technology based. Um, company where you are, well, I'm gonna let you explain. I don't yeah. want to like, yeah. So explain. no, it's a you know, it's 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 really unique. You know, a couple of years ago when I was living with my brother when I came back from Vegas, he said, hey, let's make an app. Let's make a scholarship app. Yeah. Right. Well, once I got done to modeling it, financially modeling it, you just couldn't make it um, financially feasible. Who's gonna invest in a company that's only gonna do 10 million in revenue? Right. 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 So um, you know, at the w- when we started working on the business plan with uh, one of our business partner who specialized in writing business plans, <clears throat> he started talking to me about modeling and where's all the money in education, and you know, I, I kept saying, hey, you know, it's about the career pathways, it's about giving kids opportunity that's not college related. Yeah. It's about creating jobs. So we really built a, a very interesting uh, predictability t- uh, technology, a SaaS platform that we. We sell to the school districts, and the school districts then upload their curriculum. And then we were really like Facebooks where businesses, colleges, the military, teachers, coaches can drop information in the kids' newsfeed. Mm. So their newsfeed is all about their life. Oh. So what we do is we upload the curriculum. Yeah. We pull the data from the NCS database, which is all the colleges in America. Yeah. We cross-reference that with the Department of Labor every job. And then we align those jobs with class coding. So oh. we standardize the workforce data set. Oh, wow. And so we can tell if you're at St. Charles High, we, we have the ability now to say, okay, his kid wants to be in the business, wants to be uh, communications, wants to do podcasts. Yeah. Okay, well, here's the classes we recommend you take while in high school to achieve that goal. Yeah. So our machine takes their curriculum, it aligns it with uh, the college and universities yeah. that align in that pathway, 
as well as the Department, uh, Department oh, cool. of Labor. Yeah. Um, and then we have a, a blinded messaging tool. So uh, a university, a, a business, or a military can send a message to the students, and if the parents have given the kid the ability to communicate, they can then communicate back with the college. Mm. And I think or, – or employer or the military because I think those are the biggest ones. And we work with the unions. Uh, Dr. John Gall, who's on the governor's workforce board, is kind of the foremost expert in workforce and uh, labor. He was the carp- he was with the Carpenters Hall for a long time, ran the apprenticeship program. Yeah. But I brought in the key people that I met 20 years ago in education that were saying, quit talking college. Yeah. You know, everybody needs a house. They're always going to need a house. Everybody's going to need technology. Yeah. Work- computers are going to keep changing. Yeah. And uh, most people in the public education sector kind of laughed at me and my colleagues that are involved in it yeah. right now oh, a yeah. couple of them had just recently retired from other school districts that um that are in the local st louis area and uh so we built a technology that allows businesses colleges and the military to bl- to actually communicate with a kid as early as ninth grade and then the last piece that really creates the inner gate in the engagement the engagement happens at the boundaries right it's got to be about me so uh we've taken the institutional scholarships so in, in america all the universities that follow an institutional scholarship model. So an ACT and a GPA gives you $8,000. We've now predicted. We've used that, and we can now make predictions. So in freshman year, if you've taken a PSAT or a PACT, and you have a GPA, which everybody does, uh-huh. and an ASVAB and a WorkEase, we now predict how much money you'll get. So now it changes the discussion at the kitchen table. Oh, yeah. Your son comes home from school, and he's because he skipped uh, school, he, he missed a test, and his GPA dropped two tenths, so that caused you to lose $10,000 in academic aid. So there's like a real dollar amount. It's a real dollar amount. We that. put dollars, in, dollars and cents in front of everybody. It could be training. Yeah. How much money did you save going to, uh, uh, you know, most people don't realize this, but even if you go to the military and you become a heavy operator, right now the Army's offering $40,000 to be a heavy operator. Okay. You get out after four years. You go to the heavy operators union. You get in because you've already got experience. They're probably going to let you in. You then file for the GI Bill. So the Army's paying you to go to school, but you're getting your apprenticeship for free. Yeah. And while in the union, you get an associate's degree. Nice. And you get paid a union wage while you're in the apprenticeship program. And benefits. And benefits. Yeah. And, and, you've, and you're pulling this double income from the military. So right. there's so many benefits like that that kids don't even think about. Yeah, and parents don't necessarily know about those they things. Don't. You know what I mean? Like if you haven't necessarily like taken that path, you might not really know. You know, no. like, I, yeah, I, I remember like going into college, you know, like my parents didn't go to college and they didn't really know how to even like traverse those waters. Right. Like they don't they don't really know what to look for. Um, I, I sat down with uh, E.J. Brooks. Mm-hmm. You know, he coaches over yeah. at Cahokia. And, you know, the resource that his kids have because he went through the oh, system. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? He understands it. Yeah. He understands like what what questions to have. You know what I mean? Like. It really helps to have it, but if you don't, I mean, I can imagine like a tool like this. Yeah, no, I, you know, I, and, and the technology has really been built off what my brother and I have done pretty much my whole coaching career, you know. Yeah. I've been placing students in college, um, uh, especially in the sport of wrestling, for a long time. Yeah. Right? So uh, it's it, it, there's a benefit to being in our wrestling club because if you wear a singlet, everybody in America calls us and says, who's in Missouri? Who do you, who do you want to sign? I work, with, I work with families in Kansas City. Yeah. Trying to – line them up with scholarships, even if they're wrestling for a CAC or out of Park Hill or somebody like that. I'm all about just paying it forward and helping those kids get the right. get that next opportunity. So this technology will have the ability to do that. Do what I do for five kids yeah. for every kid in the country. Right. Yeah. That's definitely a good a good like resource for sure. Like I always I'm a, I'm a little conflicted with with like the direction that we give kids at that age because 
you know, growing up here in the Midwest, especially, you know, you're, you're told like, this is the blueprint to life. It's like, you, you go to school and then, you know, you graduate and then you get your degree. And then after you get your degree, then you go get this nine to five and, you know, you kind of put in your time there and work your way up the ladder. And, you know, a lot of people quickly realize that at least maybe it's like my generation, we're kind of like at the tail end of where we kind of bought into that narrative. And then, you know, there's that time where nobody's getting jobs. You know what I mean? Like, but you were in that era, you know, you, you're in college. Would you graduate? Oh, 2009? 2010. When the housing market busted. Yeah. So, you know, I can, I can talk. I rant about this one as well. You know, so your generation, uh, you know, really my generation graduated uh, high school in 95. So we are, the people when I graduated college were educators saying, well, this is great. You can go to college. Yeah. You know, we, this is something that's going to be beneficial to you. Right. But people were hiring college graduates in, right after the buzz, bubble burst, right? Right. Uh, well, then you guys all go to school. We've told all of you to do it, and the ma- market crashes. Well, when the market crashes, yeah, right. uh, what do you do? What, what, does it ki- what does your friends do if they're graduating college and can't get a job? Oh, everybody moves back home with their parents, And dude. do what? what do you, like, they go back to college. Oh, yeah, they go to school. They just I'm going to get a master's. They just stay. In, dude, I bought into that <laughs> lie, dude. Like, I, I went to work, and then I'm like, man, like, I'm not. They're not hiring me. Because I'm I don't have up. a master's. I don't have a master's, dude. Like, this might as well be a high school fucking diploma, yeah. man. And then I go get my master's, and, like, I – and then now it's like I don't even I don't even work in the corporate world anymore. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, <laughs> and then and then I, I have all this fucking student loan because, dude, what it's 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 actually kind of a racket that the government got into like um, guaranteeing like fe- it's a scam. school like money because like it's I, dude. I, you hear the argument, and it's like, oh, that's cool. Everybody gets to go to school. Everybody's guaranteed. But then now the universities, then they just fucking, they just start, the prices skyrocket far past inflation. And then it's the only debt that you can't even roll into bankruptcy. In, into bankruptcy because there's a whole certain, like, generation that actually ruined that for everybody. So, and it's that same generation that will, like, speak from their uh, soapbox. You that, hey, you man. Hey, man. I went to school, and I worked a summer job, and it paid for everything. You should, And it's like, it's just, it's fucked up, dude. You, you know, the, that's interesting because... <laughs> You know, I had a co- I had a, a friend come up the other day, twenty six year old, uh, come up and uh, we we sat. I sat down with her and her husband, talking about her. She's a nurse. Yeah, she's got one hundred thousand eighty nine thousand dollars in student loan debt. You know, and when you think about it, like so, I consult. I, I recruit kids to college. I get that's I have a consulting company that places kids in college. Yeah, it when when you really think about it, the banking industry has deregulated the ability to go get money when you have no job. You can take out a hundred thousand. You could take out a three hundred thousand dollars student loan debt, and not have a job. No way to pay it back. Yeah. Because the legislation's built that way. Right. It allows the federal government to do it. The problem with that is, is if you can get into a federal loan, you can at least defer it. But yeah. in many cases, you're capped out on that. And if you don't have a zero EFC, you can't qualify for some of that nor parent plus loans. Yeah. So these kids take these private loans. That's what I was dealing with this week. I'm sitting there looking at her, and I was like. This is just it's it's sad because how do you make a house payment when she's paying a hundred or a thousand dollars a month in student loans? Yeah, she's only making fifty two. And dude, like that, it, it barely covers the interest. Barely. It barely covers the interest. Man. Never goes away. Yeah, it 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 follows you until until you die. It's yep. really it's really a racket. It's a scam. It's a terrible scam, dude. It is. I mean, I think uh, especially now with COVID. I mean, I, I could envision. You know, I get a lot of the kind of the stuff coming down from top. We had a couple lobbyists that help us with our, our company, you know, from D.C. down to the federal government and to the state, local levels. But, you know, you figure this in this CARES Act, they gave us they gave the state of Missouri $500 million. $300 million goes to DESE, Department of Ed, secondary, elementary, secondary. Okay. $200 million goes to the universities. The problem with that is these universities are going bankrupt. Right. right. You know, and I'll kind of talk about that in a second. 
but the stu- but they don't give any support to those individuals. It doesn't matter if you give them unemployment and six hundred dollars; they're still paying a thousand dollars a month for a student loan. Dude, it's crazy. They still got to have a house payment. So if I, you know, I was talking to Dr. Gall about this this morning, you know, and he is on the governor's workforce board. It was really it was a it was a really interesting conversation. And the conversation was, if we don't give these the people of your generation some form of financial support or a waiver of re- reducing some of their student loan debt, they'll never get ahead. We we have got to pay into the future. Right. And they have no, you have no freedom. It's, it's, it's tough to get ahead. And then, you know, I kind of, it's, it's really tough because you have people who like, who are able to like make it work and like pay off the debt. And I, I feel like they probably feel cheated, but dude, there's so many people who are like drowning in debt. Oh. It's insane. And like, I don't know what you do for those people. Like, I mean, it, it sucks if you like pay, but I feel like you have to do something for the people who are drowning. Like, well, I don't I, know what, but something has to be, like, maybe just stop charging any interest you know what i mean yeah. because like it's well that'll never happen in the private sector so right my, my, my but even on the federal on the federal yeah i mean I, I think from a federal perspective if uh you know you know the federal politics are crazy on its own but yeah you know if they don't give some form of relief yeah to that it doesn't matter because this covid and if people are unemployed or on furlough they're it's going to take them two years to get out of this Oh yeah. So if they really want to see a spike in some of this, is also give some some freedom or some flexibility to those individuals because it's it's real. I mean, this is real. And, and the difference between your generation and my generation is you had nine eleven. Yeah. I was teaching during nine eleven, so you had nine eleven in your educational experience. You had the housing market in your educational experience. Yeah. And then those individuals between there and now COVID, so your generation in this twenty year time span had three major life altering financial experiences. You know, and so as we scholar path, as, as these educational technologies or anybody gets back into the marketplace, you know, it's really driving what is the value to the individual and how do we take care of that debt? Right. Yeah. I don't I, I being older now, I, I truly realize like the value of things like tech school or like going and getting a job until you figure it out. You know what I mean? Like because my other conflict with really how we guide kids at that age is um, like your brain isn't fully developed until you're 25. And I know people like I can look at my little brother. He's like the best example. Like he was very like like volatile and like erratic in his decision making. Mm -hmm. And then just like one day he's just like this super rational guy, man. It's just like now you see things clearly and like you even learn better and you think things through. And, you know, we're we're telling, you know, kids without fully the form, like fully formed brains that you need to figure out what you want to do for the rest of your life. And life is so long. How many people change careers throughout life or or don't know until they're, you know, later in life? I think that's a whole subject on its own, you know. That's a big choice to make. It is. Um, I, you know, what I see now that's so much different in today's generation, uh, you know, I work with, you know, the workforce. So is that people leave a job after a year or two. Yeah. You know, they get recruited. The the market's different. We got technologies uh, yeah. that allow people to get recruited. Headhunters that come out and get you and seek you. You know, when I first started, it was you got to stay. A big part of me leaving education or even leaving the state of Missouri, which was the best thing I did uh, for a number of reasons, but mainly for my personal, you know, understanding how life was a little bit different, is that the the the, the my generation says everybody has to work for thirty or forty years from the same job. Right. 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 And what I you know, as I talked to college graduates, I had two last week send me a resume and say, Hey, you know, I don't know if you knew this, but with COVID everyone's canceled their internship program. So I interviewed two possible interns today. But worldwide technology, Darty Solution, I mean, all these local big firms here in St. Louis right. are canceling their internship because they where are they gonna go? They're gonna work at home and then there's no structure. Right. You know, and so a lot of times, um, 
these kids now, I, I think parents are really hampering their decision. It's kind of like your conflict of the educational system. Yeah. I hate to say this to parents, and I, and I tell a lot of parents this, you're the one messing it up half of the time because you're yeah. the one telling them what they're going to do right it's about you yeah because a lot of parents will really try to guide their kids based off what they feel like maybe they should have done different exactly. like if they didn't go to college you should go to college exactly. and like i'm kind of the opposite like i went through that whole rat race i'm just like man buddy like i tell this both my kids like if they want to go to college and they feel like that's their path and cool but like i'm also going to like be like hey man there's tech schools or like my daughter she's not gonna fucking go to school mm-hmm. like i already know like school is not she's like she's super artistic and there's we live in a world today where you can really build something for yourself like like no other time before where, where do you live at me um, i'm in the pattonville school district oh. you're you're golden pattonville has, has a great educational program yeah and she she's on the autism spectrum okay. um not very severe you wouldn't even know yeah. if you didn't really like yep. if i didn't tell you but like their special re- like their resources are just fucking phenomenal well, they have man. Re- they have resources they Pat- they have pattonville's <laughs> got resources they have resources hey pattonville vote for mindy ridings no uh she's running for school board again <laughs> oh, so right vote, on. vote for her I'll vote for her she's uh she's a friend um but um you know another piece of that is you guys got north county tech you know and that is the 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 deepest secret in north county and south county tech that technical high school yeah has so many amazing things right that you can get industry certification rather it's culinary or rather it's auto body or floor or floor laying yeah. or uh, whatever, cosmetology. You yeah. get certified coming right out of high school and you got no debt. You don't have to go to one of these cosmetology schools. Oh, my goodness. Like you can do so many good – like if you don't have debt, people don't realize like how oh. how that opens up all the opportunities. Yeah. All the op- – you can move – Financial freedom go, go over where you want like because people are so scared to like – deal with the hard shit mm-hmm. but like they don't realize like you can really just pick up and go anywhere and like make it happen it's you not did. easy it's not easy but I if you it. if you don't have debt and you don't have these things like you know having kids when you're young or different things like that like you can make it work you can well, figure I, it out i mean I, it, the startup world right i mean the world i live right now my brother my, the people i know have kids there's no way we could do this company without me doing it right and, and i'm not saying it because of my what who what i am i don't have kids I don't have the responsibility yeah. that everybody else has. Yeah. So because they have that responsibility, my brother's done another medical startup, you know, and he went a year without salary. He's got kids. He's got a family to take care of. Yeah. You no, know, I'm pretty simple. You know, I, I can eat uh, canned chili every night of the week if I had to. You'll figure it right? out, I'm man. an adult, right? I can make that work. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, I was a wrestler, man. We, we, can go, we can go a while without uh, eating. We know how to do it. Yeah, <laughs> we make weight, right? <laughs> so, you know, I don't um, – I, I think that's a, a, another big piece of the equation, you know. What does that responsibility look like? You nail it with your, with your kids, you know, because now you got to – you're really thinking for the betterment of, of three yeah, right? or four, right? You know, and so I think a lot of parents – kind of kind of miss they, they they make it personal you don't own your kid right so when you're when you're giving your kid advice you don't own them right right they're their own individual and by allowing them to grow by allowing them to think for themselves um by allowing them to make their own decisions and and having but you know there's consequences 100 percent. you, you got i mean i've made a lot of mistakes in my world oh right? yeah I, but I, I gotta live with the consequences mm-hmm. right and i think kids in today's world and I, you know, people say millennial. Well, millennials are out of school. So anyone that I'm, says I'm a millennial, yeah, anyone that says millennials to a kids group of kids that are in high school, you're like, well, you don't even know what you're talking Come about. Talking about Gen Xers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm sitting there like, okay, this person has no clue who they're talking. Is to. Is that what they're called? Is it Gen X? Uh, yeah. Okay. Gen Z, I think. Z. Yeah. Okay. So it's been it's been it's, it's interesting to see how you know from an education perspective, I I have to sit there and listen to parents coming and uh, you know 
defend their action. I was the dean of students at my last school, assistant principal dean of students. And, um, you know, I, I don't know if you knew this, but I, uh, I went to work for uh, Pitbull's school in Las Vegas. So, I did not. Yeah, so I, uh, that's, I left Vegas and got recruited to uh, – or lost California and went to Vegas for – worked for Pitbull's school in, um, in Las Vegas, Nevada. Okay. And so, you know, as the dean of students, I had to deal with all this discipline. These parents are coming to defend their actions. I'm like, well, they hit a kid. Right. You know, so, I mean, but that's that's kind of the culture, you know. I saw a really funny joke about that, or maybe somebody was just talking about it and it was funny, but they're like, you know, there was a whole period of, at one point it was like you always took the adult's word for it. You know what I mean? Like if you got if a parent got called in, it's just like it's like what did you do? Like like now you got like you're you're not gonna you're not gonna like call the teacher a liar. But now, dude, like parents will come in and it's just like you're just def- like you're the lawyer for the kid. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's like well, what'd you do to make them do that? I couldn't imagine like working in that type of. Well, situation. you know, I think um, you know I miss being in the schools. You know, I thought for a long time. Uh, one of my mentors, Steve Jerkins, was the principal at Hazel West that hired me, and. uh he kind of babysat me my first few. I was a pretty intense coach. Right? Oh, yeah. So um, <laughs> I did some things that, you know, my team loved me, and I, I think we did uh, We did pretty exceptional. He's passionate. Passion, passionate's a good word. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, Steve, I, you know, I was um, in the finals for an athletic director position at Hazelwood West when I was, like, 27 years old. And, uh, you know, I, I think the board, the committee probably would have voted me to be the AD. I, I would hope, I would think. I mean, I, I knew many of the people on that committee. But he just pulled me into his office um, after my interview and just said he wasn't on the interview. He said, "Bill, you're way too young. You're not going to be able to do this job for the next 20 years, 25 years. Yeah. This job, you're at every event. You're doing. You're not going to have any family. You're not going to be social. You know. So you know, I do miss. Uh, I miss being in the school setting. But being an administrator, even this athletics was one thing. But then being the assistant principal or being a CTE coordinator, then having to be out in the community, that was kind of my niche. You know, I, I loved." Uh, I love just being the guy that went business to business and worked with major corporations. You know, I served on the chamber board for the Northwest Chamber for a number of years. Uh, I served on the board out in California in the, in the Silicon Valley for their Chamber of Commerce. And I just had, I mean, that was kind of my niche. So that, well, you know, I, I think I... You're a community builder. Yeah, you know, that. Yeah. I mean, I think my uh, overall, uh, Jerkins gave me the, him and the principal of Pattonville is the rock star. Um, he took Steve's job afterwards, but... You know, they, they gave me a position as a corporate liaison to his high school. Then I taught two classes or three classes, maybe. Yeah. And then I was out serving on these boards at the Kiwanis with the Knights of Columbus, yeah. really the, the pillars of the community. So, you know, that's really where our workforce piece on our technology comes into play, right? Like, yeah. That's my experiences that have allowed me to kind of break that barrier down. But, yeah. you know, it's it's interesting. So I do miss being in the school. I miss the kids. Yeah. And every day, I mean, I I, I – Zoomed uh, last week with two kids out of California that that I taught in high school and now I've graduated college. That's cool. I helped get them in college and now we're uh, now I'm just kind of mentoring them through that next phase of how do we get a job. And yeah. I'm calling out the Bay Area. Hey, let me call. I call on city councilmen and mayors and I'm calling them saying, Hey, you know what? One of my uh, yeah. boys uh, graduated from uh, college now. Would you have a sit down coffee with him? And so I'm I'm able to still kind of craft that. Yeah. And, and I think I do that because I I really miss just impacting. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't get paid for it. It's just how do I, how do we move these kids in the right direction? And I think that if we had more people doing that, yeah, we may not, we may not have the situation that we we sit in today. Yeah, man, just put in like good like positivity out into the world, man. Yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, so where do you? I feel like with everything happening, um, there's gonna have to be some sort of like change to like the structure of how we like educate and continue to 
you know, move people in the workforce, especially with automation and different things? Like, where do you, how do you feel like that's going to evolve? Well, you know, I'm, I'm all in right now. I mean, I think what we're doing at Scholar Path is really the transformational thing. Yeah. You know, we have a blinded messaging system that allows employers to communicate with high school students to get them into the, uh, into a trade school yeah. or into a union right out of high school. Right. So they have, the unions have the ability to target market those kids yeah. and then suck them out because the kid has already said, I want to be a, in the carpenter. Yeah. I want to be an electrician. The electrical unions now can nail down if I've got 50,000 students who is really interested in being in the electrical union. Right. Boom. Mm-hmm. And they can start marketing them early on. So I think we're all in from that perspective. But I think there's going to be, you know, I say Scalapath kind of reverse engineers education. You know, we're allowing the decisions to be made by the students because our technology now says in eighth grade, it allows you to tell you, tell the school district what classes we're taking. Yeah. Before they get in there and they manipulate the schedule because you always end up, you're like, I didn't sign up for this class. How many high school students do that in in, in the country, right? They're like, I why am I taking, I don't want this teacher. I don't, right. I don't want to take this class, but because the section numbers were low, they just kind of filled you in. Right. And so our technology gives the administration, the superintendents, the ability, you know, Dr. Tom Muzzy's down in Orchard Farm and uh, he's just a superstar rock star with workforce development. Yeah. So he's a great input and Sharonica at City. Wow. St. Charles School District Superintendent. Wow. So, I mean, I think that's where we're transforming that. And then uh, I think on the, on the next piece, um, we as educators, we as a community, You know, I mean, when I say reverse engineer, I'm saying reverse engineer because our technology allows the students to start driving that discussion of what classes they need to take. But more importantly, yeah, what industries they want to be in. Yeah. You know, so the ability for a governor, Governor Parsons or the city manager or county executor to say, okay, I got a I got a dashboard. And in this dashboard, you know, in the St. Louis region, uh, 51 percent of the students want to go into business. And of those students, 10 percent of them are athletes. And of the 10% that are athletes, uh, 5% want to stay local. Yeah. So, okay, UMSL. Okay, St. Louis Community College. Okay. Yeah. You know, and that's why we're really working. Hart Nelson's the workforce uh, chancellor over at St. Louis Community College. That's why we got a good relationship with him. I, I really envision we're going to be piping the Boeing pre-employment program. We're, we're working on a partnership right now with Boeing um, of allowing them to brand and market that Boeing pre-employment program. You know, most kids don't even know this. This is the transformative thing that's happened in education. Nobody knows. So Boeing, if you've graduated and you've gotten a five or four or higher in your work keys, might be five in some categories, which is the ACT equivalent to a workforce uh, skill set. Okay. Um, you can take, you can get on at the Boeing pre-employment program for free. Oh wow! Uh, which is the old Circuit City out there in uh, North County, and they teach you uh, they a pro- they got like six or seven different programs, and then Boeing gives you first shot to come work for them. So six weeks after six weeks of training, yeah. at 18 years old, you're working for Boeing in their manufacturing plant. That's cool. Making eight, uh, 1850, $1,850 an hour, and you get a 50-cent raise every six months to your top of the scale. As a teenager. As a teenager. That's huge. You also get tuition reimbursement after a year. Yeah. After 30 days, you get full Boeing benefits. You know, and so the, the, these types of things that the, the high school teachers are saying, why would you do that? You've got to go to college. Yeah. I mean, those that – that fear factor yeah. that kids face, I'm hoping that our technology transforms that. So I think uh, as education changes, if you were to say, what is COVID going to do in this? You know, and I, I'm all down on uh, skilled labor workforce. I'm all down in, and skilled labor workforce doesn't mean slinging a hammer. It means uh, a lane over at Savvy Coders, yeah. uh, which is a 12-week boot camp that teaches full stack development. 
Go into Savvy Coders, pay your uh, WIOA money, use your WIOA money, get it for free, and then walk into the workforce doing program full stack development at Darty, at Worldwide, at Boeing, oh, yeah. and allowing yourself to really expand at 18, 19 years old. Oh, yeah. Right? And, you know, I think the, the smartest kids, if I was a parent, if, if I had children in, in the high school sector now, I'd be sending them to uh, Cisco certification at North Tech or South Tech or Lewis and Clark. And then I'd be saying, okay, when you graduate, let's do Savvy Coders, get full stack development. If they're extremely good in school, and a lot of programmers, you know, they're just kind of, they like the program. Yeah. Right. Taking it. theology or taking uh, sociology to them just doesn't jive, right? Right. So, you know, I, I think there's too many opportunities out there right now. I believe COVID is going to force school districts to change the way that they're, they're thinking. I already, I mean, in my, from the, what I'm hearing, the school districts are already going to either move back an extra month, depending on how this, this thing plays out, this yeah. COVID plays out in the month of June. But more importantly, you might do an ADB day more like a college campus. So, if you're on A days, you go to school every other day. If you're on B days, you go to – I mean, yeah. so I, that would reduce the population of the school yeah, by would. half. Hmm, I never thought So of you that. have class every other day. Some schools are talking about that. That's interesting. Some schools are talking about uh, going from their hour period to their block period so they can create that. Yeah. You know, so there's – there's some are stacking it. You know, so the superintendents in the local area are working with Ed Plus and the commissioner at the state to try and come up with a true solution that would allow kids with this yeah. distant learning. And then more importantly – uh, where we're all in is how do we create this distant learning and allow kids to start understanding what's going on in the real world. If you're going to go to school every day, how do these employers like Deerbergs and Schnooks, the essential people yeah. that need stockers, how do they hire people and not have to pay them a, a high wage? Yeah. I think the unemployment for Missouri is 14% now, and I think it's going to excel up to oh, wow. t- north of 20% Wow. Um, by June. Yeah. And, uh, you know, all this PPP money's spent. Uh, they may come back with another tranche, but I don't see that making it through Congress. And if it doesn't make it through Congress, well, our unemployment is going to start spiking. Yeah, right now, it, it's only 13. I mean, originally, um, I think the workforce numbers were going to be 33% of unemployment before the PPP money, yeah. before that CARES Act came into play. Yeah. They were looking at Missouri having a 30, 30 to 33% unemployment. Wow. And those are real numbers. You know, if, if a whole bunch of people all go bankrupt right now, you know what I mean? Like, then what? Well, I think that's, you know, what I, mean? you know like, I mean, from an economic perspective. You can't, you can't even view that as a negative on somebody. You know what I mean? Like, someone's like, oh, man, they went bankrupt. You know what they're, like, not, get, you know what they're not filing bankruptcy on, though? Was student loans. Yeah, yeah, that's still So there. most people don't have the issue. I mean, the, the people that are going to file bankruptcy, I mean, even if they get rid of their house and their cars and their boats or whatever they get rid of, because most Americans live outside their means, it's still going to have this huge halo yeah, still, of debt sitting over your head. Still, it's not going away. Yeah, you know, let me give you a statistic. You're going to think this is crazy, but this is the real number. In America, there's roughly 16 million high school students. Okay. Nearly 4.2 million of them graduate a year. Only 49% of them will go to college. Hmm. And of the 49% of them, only nearly 45% of them will graduate in five years. So we're talking about nearly 25% of high school graduates will actually earn a degree in five years. Yeah. So when you're talking about the average mean income or mean debt of being thirty eight dollars to $40,000, how are these people going to pay it back? Yeah, that means people have that debt but don't even have degrees. They don't. Right. They don't, so they can't pay it back. Right. And even if they had the degree, the degree doesn't, isn't weighing enough. You go to the Bay Area, uh, I don't care what these people think in the St. Louis region. I kind of laugh yeah. in these conservative pockets. But you go to California, they're like, I mean, I worked at junior, I was my high school students. Yeah. I set a partnership up with uh, with NAF Academy and Juniper Network, which is like Cisco's uh, competition. Yeah. Uh, $25 an hour in the summer through, between their junior and senior year. The kids were not getting a college degree. They were leaving high school from their digital business academy 
and going in and making a real while real dollar amount while they're getting trained. Yeah. That is happening in America. It's happening in the Bay. We just aren't getting it here. I think it's funny. Like, there'll be kids who will, like, figure out a business or something that they can sustain themselves on and will still direct them to go to college. It's like, hey, man, I know you're probably making a lot of money on Twitch or, like, you're hustling and selling stuff. But it's like, hey, have you thought about college? It's like, why am I going to college so I can get money to live? Well, you're already doing that, but we'll still t- – and I'm not against college, right? yeah, yeah. I think that I think that if you're gonna go to college, you need to know what you're gonna, why you're going. I feel like too many kids go there to figure it out, and you're just you're putting yourself in debt while you're figuring it out. Well, and, again, that's what we're doing, right? We're we're forecasting what a kid could take in high school. Yeah, we're uh, putting them on a track. Uh, we're we're giving them end goals. They're setting the goals, their parameters. Yeah, universities are recruiting you because they know what you're majoring in, they know what your sports are. Yeah, the best fit kid, you know. And I and I think at the end of the day, if these, uh, you know hate to hate on teachers because I'm one of them, but until our culture changes, yeah. until, and I, and I think the, this, this, um, COVID is going to, it's going to make an impact on it a little bit because teachers now are having to learn to do the things they couldn't do. You know, I was talking to a buddy, a friend of mine is a CFO in town of a big major corporation. And he's like, our billables are, are going up, but our, our people are still learning how to do work without their two assistants. So from a CFO perspective, like, see, we've been saying you could do this job. Yeah. Before you were saying I couldn't do it. Right. Now you are. Now you are. So, you know, I think COVID's pushing people to the limits of how to uh, quit being so um, 1950s. Yeah, how, like, how efficient and how lean can you run? Yeah. And, yeah. and I think that's what this is forcing people to do. It's, yeah. It's really forcing individuals to the, start thinking differently. Yeah. And as they think differently, they become, uh, you know, that's, you know. How are you a lean startup? Are you a lean startup? If you raise a million dollars, how are you spending that money? Right. right. And I think that all plays a big role in um, how successful you'll be. Oh, yeah, dude. You have, you, you have to be able to be resourceful. Yes. Just in life in general, but especially in the startup world, right? Like, <laughs> Man, it's been uh, – well, you're kind of in a startup world, right? You're trying to start your own business. You're, yeah. You're doing the podcast thing. You know, and I and I think that and, and there are people that do what you do that make tons of money off of just this. Dude, Joe Rogan, like he's the king of podcasting, yeah. but he just signed a multi-year deal with uh, with Spotify to license his show. So he's not an employee of them; they're just licensing his show. It's an exclusive licensing agreement, multi-year for a hundred million dollars. So he literally just set the standard of what is truly possible with podcasting. You know what I mean? That's crazy. So as a fan, I'm a little bummed out because I don't use Spotify. Like, So he's pulling everything from all platforms. It's only going to be on Spotify. Oh, wow. No YouTube, no Apple Podcasts, only Spotify. So wow. like, so that's kind of a bummer. Like, If you don't use that platform. So he's testing to find out how many people will. He's going to lose some people. He knows it. Yeah, yeah. But like, Spotify is going to win. He's winning because it's like, dude, you just made like the deal. Mm-hmm. And one day someone's gonna beat that deal. That's the beauty, right? Yeah, because yeah. like once once you put it in the realm of possibilities, someone's gonna try to do it. Who's better. the biggest podcaster in this region? In St. Louis. In yeah. St. Louis? Yeah, man. You know, honestly, it's it's hard to say, like I'm not going to pretend I know everybody, but yeah. I mean, Andy probably yeah. has a, one of the largest podcasts. Yeah. You know, like his is huge. Um, we used to have a guy here named Sean Stevenson who uh, ran the Model Health Show, and he was like out in the Wildwood area, yeah. but he was from here. I think he just recently moved to LA, though. Um, his was really big at one point. It was like the number one health and wellness podcast in the world. Oh, wow. Um, there's actually a guy, um, Dr. Aaron. 
I'm going to mess up his last name. I can't think off the top of my head. But um, he is like a physical therapist, and he runs this brand called Squat University. Has over a million you know, wow. followers on Instagram. And, dude, he's a physical therapist here in the SSM pro, like uh, No kid. Yeah, system. And he's also running like the Squat University thing. So I know he has a podcast. I don't know how big that is, but he obviously has a huge brand, yeah. um, like educating and you know reaching people. So he's definitely a guy I'd like to sit down with. But – those are the only ones I really know off the top of my head that have like huge podcasts. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a, it's it's interesting. Well, I mean, me. just well, no, just like I mean, yeah, obviously, I wanted to I wanted to be on your stuff too, just because I know you. But I think it's uh, I think it's important. You know, you're no different than reading a book, right? Yeah. So it's it's you know, I on the last podcast I did, it was interesting just to have the number of ex students or non students reach out to me on social media. Yeah, and that's that one was really. Uh, was driven by uh, college students, and it was out in California. But the amount of uh, people in the USA Sports that reached out to me after that podcast, and it was just a voice podcast. Yeah. But it was, uh, you know, it was knowledgeable about how to get scholarships. Yeah. How to be active. Um. How to how to set up a resume. Um. You know, just all the things. A little bit about my life, but a lot about uh, just essential things that you need to do as a as a high school graduate trying to get a college scholarship right right you know and that's kind of what makes me wonder like where things are going in the education system because i mean for somebody to um like adopt adopt you know your technology like they're gonna have to offer like the course the course offering is gonna have to be pretty vast and like you're gonna have to do some restructuring with what what you offer i feel like some of the things that are offered are kind of like outdated we don't necessarily teach kids things Um, that they, they need to know Good, good, good statement. Um, well, I don't do anything in the, the people upload their course codes. Right. So you wouldn't have like anything to do the, the virtual online stuff. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm going to that. Yeah. So for me, it doesn't really impact me. In fact, I'm, we're kind of, I always say nonpartisan in that sense, but the, the, the virtual classroom setting, the, the teaching online, all of that's changing yeah. right to you, you know, um, it just, there's a number of. Um, merger acquisitions have taken place in the last couple of years that are really in that education virtual space. Um, I see K-12 right now had a kind of a file to suit against Missouri. So they have the ability to now students can get their high school diploma online through a virtual school yeah. and they can get paid through the public money they're paying the high school districts. Oh, wow. It's going to affect the unions. Um, it's going to affect public education. It is a public funded, publicly funded online virtual education. Oh, wow. Um, so it, the, the state of Missouri just got that. That just came through this year or in 2019. And so I, you know, it's, it's been, uh, up in arms, right. You know, and I don't know that I completely agree with all the virtual stuff, but, uh, I believe, I believe it's a good, it's a good opportunity for kids. There's a yeah. lot of kids now because of technology, teachers just don't want to pay attention to technology. Yeah. They, they don't care. They, they're, they, they punish you for having a cell phone. Yeah. I mean, I always allowed my students, I mean, I never, there was not a year since cell phones have been active, because I was teaching before cell phones. Yeah. But uh, well, I guess there was cell phones, but they were big ones. You but can't um, change. No, I mean, I, I I encourage the kids to use it. I mean, I'm sitting here telling you you're gonna you're a business guy and you're gonna go into a world of technology, and I'm gonna tell you you can't use technology. Right. You know, so I think um, this virtual, I think this COVID, and I think virtual online education is gonna transform. It's gonna again kind of force public education to think outside the box. Right. So why not adopt it? Right. Why not say, okay, students. Uh, why don't we partner with an online platform, maybe K-12, and say, okay, maybe a profit-sharing thing that allows us to keep some of our money. Yeah. Or maybe we as a state allow – I mean, I, I could almost see it to an extent that a state adopts a virtual online yeah. technology that takes a piece of every school district in the state and allows them to kind of virtually learn. And then it doesn't affect 
this private it, it'll kill the private industry sector. Right? It won't kill it, but it it'll, it'll definitely change it's a uh, the approach. For sure. It'll disrupt it. Yeah. Well, yeah, because I mean, there's so many ways to learn. Whether it's virtual and like podcasting, like man, there's not a thing you can't teach yourself these days. Video games. Look at the video games. Look at these five year olds that are on video games that are sitting here with head headsets. On. Yeah. Yeah. And they're, I mean, you know, the technology is just insane. Dude, it's crazy. And um, to keep up, I mean. You just figure, like, whatever courses these schools offer, like, it has to keep up. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, we can't we can't make kids go through geometry who are never going to use that. You know what exactly. I mean? Like, like, you know, if a kid's going to go into the military, maybe we make sure we prepare them for the military. Right, if right. the kid's going to go into the workforce, like, maybe we make sure that they understand what, like, credit is and different things so that way they can enter into the world and, like, sure. be on a sound footing. Like, they ha- I feel like there has to be some sort of, like, maybe uh, restructuring and, like, just the courses that – these some of these schools well, that will goes have back to, to what you opened with that comes back to the governmental thing it takes i mean i'll just say from a public education perspective so uh, a city manager can say hey we're moving a casino to town or we're moving a family arena to st charles yeah hey is there any way we can get some curriculum around sports management we're going to need people working concessions and grounds and facilities or or a soccer park is in event and you know how can you do and then to, to make that happen you have to be able you have to empower people and create uh, groups yeah you know, and the, the, these groups have to get together, and they got to say, well, I don't know. And then the educators like to talk. Yeah. Uh, nobody acts in education. It's, it's just all a bunch of talking. <laughs> and normally theory. it's bitching. So it's it's th- half the room's bitching. The other half the room just wants it done. And uh, maybe there's one guy in the room looking at a real solution, right? So that's the unfortunate <laughs> thing about education. So you spend uh, you spend two years thinking about curriculum. Yeah. You spend another year putting curriculum together. For the third year to put in front of the board. Oh, and wow. then the board says, nah, by then three years down the road, technology's changed. It's too late. It's too late. So, yeah. you know, I think, uh, I, I think there needs to be, I, I think, again, this uh, distant learning thing, I think it's going to transform how we view those things and how For do we sure. make that in a rapid, uh, how do we change that rapidly? You know, I was on a SRG Technologies as an uh, um, individualized learning plan, uh, lesson plan type thing, technology down, they're based out of Florida. Fort Lauderdale, and uh, we're looking to partner with them. You know, they had a they have a really neat situation. They bring in all the curriculum district wide, and then they allow teachers to then begin crafting for individuals their learning plan. That's cool, right? So, so for the first time that I've seen a technology that allows a teacher to say, "Oh, here's this, here's his surveys, and here's yeah. his goals, and yeah. here's his learning style, and here's this." Oh, wait. With this report, here's the five things we need to do with this kid to, uh, for the rest of the year. Oh, we need nice. to know that he's a social learner or he's not social is intrinsic. Is he, yeah. Do we need him in um, diversified learning? Do we need him differentiated learning, cool. cooperative learning? What types of strategies are we going to use? And yeah. the technology allows you to now dictate that. That's so, cool. you know, I think technology is going to transform that if teachers will adopt it. Who are the, who are the early adopters? Who actually is going to be the early adopter? Right, right. right. And if there's no early adopter, then what is it? Now we're forcing it down their throat. Now I have a union that says I don't have to do anything you tell me to do. People right? just like to be comfortable. They don't want to change. The status quo is fine. For it, sure. Yeah, people like to get their tenure in education and just be cool. Oh yeah, you stay you, your tenure, man. You're 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 pretty set, right? <laughs> I mean, there's, there's nothing. You, you're there for thirty years. You could just hand out worksheets every day. Yeah. Right. It takes a lot of documentation to get rid of a teacher after they're tenured. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, what's it take to get tenured? Is it just time? Uh, Missouri, it's about five years. In uh, California, it's two. Oh, wow. So after your second year teaching. <laughs> you don't even know how to teach after two years, but after your second year, you're tenured. Oh, wow. So the school districts have to make executive decisions quickly and say, you know what, this person may or may not, because once they sign that third-year contract, it's done. They're, they're stuck. 
Why wow. are they kicking rid of the person? Dang, man. That's got to be a rough spot to, like, to, to be in. If you have a tenured teacher and you right, can't right. get rid of them, like, they're just not like keeping oh. up with the times or whatever the case may be. That's horrible. Oh, Especially dude. when you're an administrator because the parents are calling the administration. You're like, well, I can't just fire them. They yeah. show up to work. They do this. They do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Shit, so. man. man. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how things like kind of pan out when all this is said and done. Like we're going to be looking at a different world. You I know, think. with the NCAA releasing, I think now that the NCAA is allowing some of the fall sports to to uh, voluntarily start practicing. Yeah, I saw that. California, the UC system has waived all fall sports and has already said students won't be on campus for a semester next year. Yeah. All the UC college, really the whole state. Wow. Um, so the private schools in California, CalBAP, the Menlo's. Those types of schools will still continue, and I think it's going to help them because kids want to get their degree over with. Yeah, and they uh, most people don't want to learn online. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, what they don't. So I remember I thought whenever I went to university, I thought like four years, like you're supposed to be done four years. What they don't tell you is like no, it's really five. Like five is the average, and sometimes six for a lot of people. Yep. Like it's just it's just poor communication there. Um, I want to ask you one last question because yeah. we're kind of on time. I want to be respectful of your time. Um, what do you think about these college athletes getting paid? I'm for it. I'm for it too. I, uh, you know, as a college coach, you know, for a number of years, you know, the, the people that are against it, right? The ones that are actually against it are the ones that didn't wake up at 6am and do morning workout. Yeah. Practice, study tables, get up the next morning, do the same thing every day of the week. And then, the, and then they got to make up their work Wednesday, Thursday, Friday on their travel weeks. Yeah. Because they go a day early to rest, to play, you know. So the amount of school you miss, it is a full-time job. People don't realize you're an athlete student. Y- yeah. You're not a student athlete. Well, especially basketball and football. Oh, especially those big sports. Right. And, like, how would you feel if you're, like, you're the starting quarterback for whatever program and then you know they're selling your fucking jersey at walmart left and right and your name's not on it but your number is and mm-hmm. you know why people bought that jersey yeah yeah you know what i mean and no then i here you are you got nick saban making millions of dollars off these kids yeah oh they're at these <laughs> I'm not mad coaches at are crazy yeah, yeah. These, these coaches are making buku bucks yeah no i i um you know i'm I've always been for it. I never really understood the paranoia and everybody flying. I mean, well, oh. you're getting a free education, bro. But are you? But I are mean, you? you're earning it. Isn't that free? Yeah. You're, it's easy for the person that didn't have a scholarship that says it's free. Yeah. That shit ain't free. It's not free. You got up. You had to go to this weight training. You didn't get. You I mean wrestling? Let's just talk wrestling. Yeah. September first, man. You're you're doing preseason, right? Oh you, yeah. You got this grind, right? You go all the way through the international styles, the World Series, the World uh, Team Series, all that stuff. You're into the summer. You get a July, and then the Worlds are in the first uh, September, October, or August and September. So if you're one of the premier in wrestling. Yeah. Now, like all the other Cox. sports, everybody's still training. But I'm just talking about in the wrestling world, those kids never took a break. Jamie Cox over at Mizzou, he doesn't take a break. He doesn't take a break. He wrestles all the time. All the time. Right? And so it, it's uh, – it's for me just because you know I've been a coach, I've been an athlete. I, I find like it's it's kind of selfish for somebody to say, "Well, you're getting your education for free." Well, you are, but you're taking a risk, and you're you're out there dying on the field. Yeah, you know, and they're like, "Oh, you're playing your sport." Well, you are playing your sport, but you know, you also to craft your sport to get you there. You spent ten years earning that. Oh man, right? Yeah, you start when you're a little kid for yeah, a lot of these man. guys. Well, nowadays, kid, you know, when we grew up, you know, you played three sports, right? That's just what you did. Yeah. Now, nowadays, it's if you're not, you know, Tracy, uh, you know, 
Yeah. The, the kids, you're watching the wrestlers we coach, right? Our kids that wrestle for us, Doug and I, you're wrestling 12 months a year. That, it, that's just all there is to it. Just you're doing four days a week all spring and summer. Mm-hmm. All spring and summer. So your summer is a wrestling camp yeah. all summer long, every day. It's, it's constant, you know, whether it's folk style or freestyle or Greco, it's like – you're, you're wrestling. You're wrestling. And, yeah. and, you know, I think the best soccer is, you know, these academies. Now you don't play high school soccer. You play academy. Well, if you play academy. It's all club teams. Yeah. yeah that's crazy. So, I mean, I, I think you should get what you're owed uh, when you're a great athlete. And the ones that are complaining are the ones that either don't want to put in the effort, yeah. probably don't have the talent. Well, you know what? They might have the athletic talent, but what about the talents that you have that you're going to make more money doing? Yeah. Right? How about you're going to be an engineer or you're, you know, so, I, I mean, I don't know. I think it's uh I think it's a debate. I, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I'm not into a debate here, but I'm on your side. I mean, I yeah. 100% agree with – I think they should I think they should be. Yeah, man. And everybody wants everything to be fair. Well, you're going to pay the football player more than you pay the gymnast. Well, guess what? World's not fair. World's not fair. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Dude, Bill, that's probably the good way to end it right yeah, there, yeah. brother. Um, awesome. I'm going to leave it to you. Um, if there's anything you want to plug, how people can check you out or resources or anything yeah. like that, and I'll, I'll put things in the show notes, but yeah. anything you want to leave. No, I mean, I mean, from our perspective, it's uh, scholarpath.com. We uh, – uh, we sell the school district, so individuals can't buy us. So uh, it's really not we're not selling anything tangible, but the employers, the college, and university. So our our verticals are kind of odd. It's not the the, the general public, but we have a superintendent. Yeah. So it's not really. I mean, this podcast is really just to get awareness, and I yeah. I was excited if there's something we can do to share and create 100%. brand awareness. For and you. you never know who's going to hear this, dude. Maybe right. it's, maybe it's a parent who has like you know on the board or something. Yep. But hey, man, we can bring this in, dude. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, no, yeah it's dude. great, man. I appreciate your time. Yeah, Bill, I appreciate it. Bill Mitchell, awesome. ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed that episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you are getting value out of the podcast, do me a solid. Please bring us a friend. Just tell one friend about the show. Um, I'm sure it maybe made you think about something in a different way, or you laughed, or maybe you're just like, fuck, man. Like, I don't really like what you're saying. I don't give a shit. Give me a five-star rating and review. It's it's honest. I'm not mad at it. Help us grow this thing. Help other people find the show. Um, we're just we're just trying to change some perspectives and, and just give you something to think about and, uh, and maybe a different way to look at, at the world today. So bring us a friend. That's all I can ask. Leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And uh, if you haven't already, subscribe to us on YouTube and go to our website, outsideperspectivepodcast.com, and get on the mailing list. I'll keep you in the know on when I have new guests or any exclusive content or when we release, release an episode. You'll be, you'll be one of the first to know. So go check us out over there. Also, big thank you to Convergence Media Group. Go to convergencemg.com. Check them out if you are a business and you want to grow your digital presence. These are the guys you want to work with. They'll help you with brand. Uh, they'll help you with content creation, and they'll help you with strategy, and they'll help you... Um, do everything you need to do to be successful in this digital world and to grow your brand. Um, I've been working with them for some time, and I could not 
be happier. So go check them out, convergencemg.com. Listen, I think that's all I have. Um, these guys aren't sponsors, but shameless plug, Unavita Tequila. Check them out. Go to unavitatequila.com. They have apparel. Their fucking tequila is the shit. It is the official tequila of Outside Perspective. Also, go check out First Form, firstform.com. Um, while I do love tequila, I prefer to live the healthy lifestyle. I don't do a whole lot of drinking, but when I do, that's what I'm drinking. Um, if you're looking for supplements, go check these guys out. They're making the best fucking products in the world. So firstform.com. Again, those last two aren't sponsors of the show, but I believe in those products and I would like for you guys to go support them as well. Um, that's it guys. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back very, very soon with another episode. We got the ball rolling. I love you guys. Bye. Mwah.